Hello and welcome to the Keep Northern Ireland Beautiful podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Dr. Suzanne Parr, who's a lecturer in hospitality management at Ulster University, an expert on all things beaches and marinas. This is what we're going to be talking about today. Of course, in our previous podcast, we talked to Johan Duran from Blue Flag, and it, since it is the summer months, we thought we would continue on since there's so much to talk about. Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us today. David, thank you very much for having me. Oh, great. Uh, Suzanne, I just always want to ask, because I'm always interested about why people are interested. Now, academics in particular, you know, obviously have a have a keen interest in what they do. Well, what was it that got you started with your interest in beaches? Well, for me, beaches are very special places. I grew up hundreds of miles away from the coast, uh, right bang in the centre of Germany. And going to the beach was just maybe once a year, once once maybe every two, three years or so. It was a very, very special place. So really something is a place that really has always fascinated me. And then five years ago, I was lucky enough to move to Northern Ireland and I live very near the coast now. So it's a wonderful place for me to go and I'm there all the time. But really, my background is more in sustainable tourism and I have a PhD from the University of Surrey in sustainable tourism. But then I got to know the world of sort of beach cleaning and um, volunteering on the beach through Keep Northern Ireland Beautiful. I started doing some volunteering uh, work myself there and that really triggered my interest. I was really interested in the psychology of beach cleaning and what it's all about and Mm -hmm. why people get so obsessed about the beach. So that's that's really the story. Yeah. And and do you find that, so you just mentioned there about the psychology of beach cleaning. What have you found about the Because you're a beach cleaner yourself. Anyone who follows uh, Suzanne on Twitter and, and uh, for anyone listening to this, we will have uh, Suzanne's Twitter handle up so you can keep up to date with her research on Twitter. Um, what is your, psych- I mean, what, what, what is the psychology of beach cleaning? What is it that drives someone to get a litter picker, go out with a bag? I mean, we don't often get the weather for it here in Northern Ireland. So what is it that, that, what, what, that you find about the psychology of beach cleaning? Yes, sure, David. I'm glad you asked. Um, I think people sometimes think when they see people picking litter on the beach that they're sort of like the diehard environmental activists who go out and just this is what they do. But actually what I found that it's actually a form of leisure. It's about having fun. It's about recreation. It's about having quality time with your family and friends. So in a paper that I've recently written and that's now being published in the Journal of Sustainable Tourism, I look at the psychology of beach cleaning as a form of what I call enviro leisure activism. And it's really about the combination of the environmental conservation activity and the leisure activity. And I suppose I can go into some of the key points there um, around enviro leisure activism. What I found is that there are actually different types of motivations. People obviously go for environmental reasons because they get very upset about the litter that they see and they want to make sure, they want to care and look after the environment. But there is also this leisure motive, this just having fun, having quality time, having a good day out on the beach. I'd be speaking to people who travel from far away, from Dungannon and other places, just to have a day on the beach. And they use this beach cleaning as, as a hook, as a reason to go. But people also go for very sort of individual reasons, like I've spoken to people who uh, wanted to improve their language skills, so foreign exchange students, and they found this a really good way of being able to try and test their language, but not having to do it like in a noisy pub environment or something like that. And also, you know, the sort of um, communal spirit, having uh, quality time. So lots of different uh, motivations. Mm -hmm. 
I suppose the other thing that's really important is a very deep sense of place attachment, which can both be positive and negative. So you can have that. It's that balance between hope and despair that you have when you encounter all this litter. And I found what I found was really interesting is how beach cleaners actually develop these coping mechanisms to deal with all this perpetuity of litter, this constant onslaught of litter. Well, that they... how, how, how do you find that, Suzanne? Because obviously, you know, even when I've been out, sometimes you can think, oh my good, and we see it on our social media feeds, people feel a wee bit overwhelmed that there's just, you know, the, the, how, how, have you, how have you found it? What have you, what's your research told you about that? Yes, absolutely, David. Um, the two main coping mechanisms that have I, I've come across in my research, and I should say that this was an ethnographic study, qualitative piece of research, was one, storytelling, and the other one is litter hunting. So storytelling is about how I've observed how people, when they go out on the beach and they find all these curious items, because you can find anything on the beach, from an angry Lego piece to a sweetie wrapper to sometimes we find clothes, everything, golf balls, you name it. You know, if you can think of it, you can find it on the beach. And people come up with these stories, you know, they find something and they they talk about the curious items that they found. They make up stories about where it may have come from, who might have left it there, why it's there. Especially like with young kids, it's really quite exciting. You know, you can look at something like you find a 25 year old drinks bottle and and you know, it's like how the writing has changed on the brands. It's really quite fun. So storytelling is a really important way because to deal with this problem, because storytelling is also a form of sort of narrative therapy. The other thing is litter hunting. And I actually think beach cleaning should be renamed to litter hunting because it's actually quite competitive. People want to go out and they want to collect as much as possible. And they're very, sometimes they're quite, in a strange way, they're actually disappointed when there's not a lot of litter on the beach because they've set out to go and find litter. And they will sort of dive for it and be like, oh, I've seen that bottle first, I'll grab it. Or somebody says, no, come over here, there's tons of tins there, you can collect loads. So it's this sort of thrill and hunting element that's also there. And all that just adds to the fun and the excitement. Because frankly, if you don't do that, if you don't have those sort of coping mechanisms, it can be a very depressing activity considering the amount of litter that we find on the beach. Yeah, totally, yeah, totally. And obviously you've talked a wee bit about there about, um, about, you know, kind of the, 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 the kind of friendly competition that, uh, that that different groups can get into in terms of the psychology of it. I mean, what, what for you have you seen are the benefits of taking part in that activity? What's the benefits of looking after our local beaches? Because I know in the summertime, you know, it can be a bit, I mean, it's the biggest thing we get in at summertime where people send us pictures of it can be Helen's Bay and an overflowing bin. It can be, you know, disregarded barbecues or something, maybe up the coast. What what, what do you see as the main benefits of, uh, of looking after our beaches? So there's two things there. The main benefit of looking our beach after our beaches, the obvious answer would be that uh, in Northern Ireland especially, our beaches are incredibly important to our tourism portfolio. So 30% of trips are to the coast, um, and that means income and jobs for coastal communities. It's really, really important that we have this beach tourism in Northern Ireland. But research has also shown that a littered beach actually loses up to 97% of its economic value. Um, in other words, we simply cannot afford not to look after our beaches. And just to repeat that again, because that's a, that's, a, that's a heck of a statistic, 97% of its value. Yes, a littered beach can be reducing it or can reduce its environment, um, economic value by 97%. Wow. But 
I geez, I think the point I'm trying to make is that there's there's more to this than just economics. So, one of my favorite environmental philosophers is Holmes Rosen the third, and he identified ten values of nature, and you can sort of look at it from the beach perspective. So, the economic value that I just talked about is just one of them, but and I'm not going to go into all ten of them, obviously. But the beaches also obviously provide life support for wildlife and fauna. So, the benefit of looking after our beaches means overall we have a better local environmental quality. They also have scientific value. Um, see, for example, we have coastal areas of special scientific interest. Um, in Northern Ireland, we actually have 20 of them. Um, the beach provides recreational value. I've already said that with 30% of tourism being on the coast, aesthetic and spiritual value. And I mean, if you just look at some of the art that beach inspires as well, for example, there's on the North Coast, we have the North Coast artist Gavin Wallace and his beautiful beach art that um, he produces. So. It's really clear that the beach is more than just a strip of land that's great for tourism and has a big economic value. We really yeah. need to look after it because of all these different facets. Yeah, absolutely. And another big thing, and we were talking about this with, with Johan at the previous um, thing, one thing that's really sprouted up in Northern Ireland, particularly during the pandemic, has been sea swimming as well. That's been something that people have really taken to and uh, something that I... Uh, bravely attempted myself back in April which I later found out was actually the coldest month of the year to uh, to do it uh, I was uh, I forgot that sea temperatures are uh, run a couple of weeks behind um, our, our own land temperatures uh, anyway um, you were talking there about I mean Suzanne obviously you were talking about those values there I mean you know in terms of actually how we how we treat these people and we shouldn't just see it as an economic thing I think you're right about that you know there is the societal benefits of that now you've been out and about. You're, you're kind of um, uh, you, you're you're a hands-on academic, so to speak. You know, you're not someone who just sits and hypothesizes this and does your surveys and then goes home. You're actually a, an avid litter picker yourself, uh, being out there. I mean, have you found yourself? I mean, do you find other people uh, are attaching themselves to the values you've just spoken about about the you know the beach being something that uh, that you know has a societal benefit as well as an economic one? Are you finding that's a message that's resonating? Absolutely. I mean, if you speak to beach cleaners and people who visit the beach overall, they they talk about this sense, this restorative value of the beach, how it's good for the mental health. It's a a place of um, reflection, serenity, calm, all these beautiful words, all these mental states that you want to have. And actually, there's some really interesting research happening at uh, University of Exeter, and it's called Blue Health, and it's um, funded by Horizon 2020. And what they're doing is they're linking climate and the environment and health. And particularly, they're looking at how urban planners can use the so-called blue infrastructure uh, to enhance mental health and well-being. And this relates to things like urban beachfronts and marinas, harbours, canals, riverbanks, and beaches, obviously, in the urban environment. And... Some more research in Australia has actually shown that um, if this blue infrastructure, so if our beaches become littered, this actually can lead to a 90, I repeat again, to a 90% in reduction of the perception of quality of life by local residents. So that's a huge reduction and it has a huge impact. And another environmental philosopher that I'm very keen on, um, I follow his work, is Glenn Albrecht from Australia as well. And he calls this phenomenon actually solastalgia. And it's that psychological distress that is caused by 
environmental degradation of one's home environment. And I found that when I'm speaking to beach cleaners, that on the one hand, they see the beach as this restorative place, this place of calm and serenity. And they talk to me about how it's good for the mental health. And at the same time, they're talking to me about how it hurts them. It actually mentally, psychologically, emotionally, and sometimes even physically hurts Mm -hmm. them to see how the beaches are being, um, well, really littered and and polluted. So you have this sort of pollution-induced environmental distress amongst people. So I suppose that's really what I'm interested in, in that kind of... um, liminal space yeah. at the beaches yeah. you know, between so sort of I, hope and despair so outside of the 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 um the kind of you've you've just kind of alluded to to, to some of it there but the problems facing beaches obviously i mean what what are you seeing uh, there in terms of that yes um that's a really good question and i should say i am i'm not a biologist marine biologist so i'm a social scientist but mm-hmm. for me definitely marine pollution uh, pollution um in the form of littering is uh, one of the biggest problems that our beaches are facing comes from mainly two sources so which is washed in marine litter and then also recreational litter so that's what i'm really interested in and how can we stop people from littering on the beach i actually have a phd researcher rachel singleton who might want to talk to you as well who's doing her phd on designing interventions to stop people from littering so we need to we need different strat, uh, strategies for tackling this but um there are other issues as well you know there's soil erosion water pollution through oil spills and sewage and we've just seen that uh, example of the diesel spill in Mill Isle which has really upset the local community there and the beach cleaners all came at hand and it sort of caused this impromptu big cleanup activity Um, and then overcrowding I think we need to talk about overcrowding you mentioned Helen's Bay earlier there one of the beaches that is very often overcrowded in the summer times so obviously we're not under the same overcrowding pressures that you see in Greece and Italy or in the Spanish costas, but I would say we're not yet there. So we need to move away from this obsession with more is better, so more tourists, more people out on the beach, because it's not really, it's it's better is better. We need to look at yeah. sort of sustainable coastal tourism management. Um, I, I, and I know sustainable tourism, uh, Susanna, is something that, you're, that you focus on a lot. Um, you know, it's interesting you're saying that because obviously, you know, during the pandemic, we've obviously been uh, warded away from big, big crowds. And obviously, we, we you can kind of see the dangers of that of that now. I just wonder in terms of actually, because we always hear that term building back better now. And that's goodness, it's been used and overused in the past 13 months. Um, in terms of the sustainable tourism piece, do you think that in terms of beaches, that that is something that we will that we could, you know, from the pandemic, think that that's a lesson that we will we will take forward. Do you think? Well, the the pandemic has been a double edged sword when you look at it from a perspective of beach and beach use and beach visits. So on the one hand, obviously it's been great to see people engaging more with the outdoors because you know you couldn't go to bars and pubs and all of that so where did people go they went to parks and beaches and that's wonderful that's really really good news so in that sense i think the pandemic has kind of um re-engaged people with the outdoors but then on the other hand um it the pandemic has been a real setback um for litter prevention because what it's done it has created this sort of takeaway culture monster 
And of course, you know, I, I look at it as well from someone who has a great interest in tourism and hospitality and being able to offer takeaway has been the necessary lifeline for survival for many of our uh, tourism and hospitality businesses. And I don't begrudge this at all. I think this is this was really, really important. Um, in fact, I'm glad that so many of our hospitality businesses have been so innovative and determined throughout this time. But the amount of takeaway litter that we see now is just staggering. And we need to look as an industry, as a, as a tourism and hospitality industry, we need to look at uh, how can we promote litter-free tourism. Because yeah. there's a lot of litter created in tourism, especially if it's outdoor tourism. And we need to kind of re-educate people to go back to nearly pre-pandemic times when we saw how people are increasingly using their own t- cups and, and not using so much takeaway. So it, it's been a, it's been a setback. But I have seen uh, that Tourism and I is working now um, on a sustainable tourism program. So it's good to see more um, a, a renewed focus on sustainability um, mm-hmm. as we're coming out of this pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you're right about it. It, is, it was one of the most heartbreaking things to see last April when, you know, obviously, you know, uh, uh, reusable cups became like a dirty word again and a lot of st- coffee places you know stopped stop using them but i but, but but i've seen that that is changing um as we're emerging from the pandemic just in terms of um you know where we're going in terms of you know we, we, we've talked a wee bit about this but but um but what, what do you think we can do better in the future in terms of you know how, how we're looking after our beaches how we're looking after um you know the general environment and and, and obviously because I, I know your research interests span uh, across the piece but what, what what do you think we can do better yeah sure david um i've mentioned a couple of things already so on a tangible note i think we need a comprehensive litter strategy for northern ireland and we also need a comprehensive sustainable tourism strategy Mm-hmm. And as I said, I know tourism and I are starting to work in that area, although I, I believe there's no such thing as a, an actual sustainable tourism strategy in place yet. I also think that we need more collaborative working uh, between lots of different stakeholder groups. Uh, very often the people who are in charge of looking after the environmental side are not talking to the people who are looking after economic development and community development. There needs to be more overlap. There's too much silo working and not enough knowledge sharing. And the environmental sector is, is very competitive. Um, and while competition drives innovation, that's a good thing. It can also stop progress. If everybody just wants to have their name on display and, and be the first one to come up with something and not really share knowledge and work together in a collaborative form, I think that's really important. But just, and I apologize if I'm going on too long, but no. for me, most importantly, and, and that's really a tricky one, we need to empower people to change for the better. So we need this complete shift in environmental values across the population. So we see that there are already groups, uh, large groups that have strong environmental values. I mean, just look at like the the eco-schools programs, fantastic, the Live Here, Love Here programs, etc. But um, we want to change behavior. But in order to change behavior, we actually need to change values. Yeah. Because yeah, it's values that actually drives behavior. So if you look at things like the value behavior norm, etc., yeah. um, this is what we need to tap into. We need to create that value change in order to 
then be able to generate a behavior of change. Yeah, and that's such a fantastic point there about changing values and about that you're right, that that is, that is you know, how, how we view the world and how we interpret everything mm-hmm. uh, dicta- dictates everything else. Now, Suzanne, I've mentioned this a few times in the podcast, but you are a volunteer. You are someone who does go out and we can vouch for that. You have done many, many an assessment for Keep Northern Ireland Beautiful, which we can vouch for. Um, uh, what is it that you think about, um, and, and we'll end on a happy note, I always like to end the podcast on a happy note. I mean, what role do you think that volunteers, people like you have, going out on those, even though we're having good weather at the minute, on those cold, rainy days sometimes, or those whatever, rain, rain sun or shine, whatever, um, what, 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 role, what role does that have, uh, do you think, in this, in this kind of crusade ah. going forward? See, this is where I'm a little bit sitting on the fence, actually. I, I think that volunteering is, is amazing. It's absolutely great. As you said yourself, I'm, I'm a volunteer uh, for beach cleaning and for the marine litter survey as well. It's a really great way to enhance your self-esteem because basically you're doing something and it makes you really feel really good about yourself. Um, it's good for your mental health, your outdoors, etc. It's a really great community bonding exercise, which then in turn creates more social capital. Um, it's obviously good for the environment that's being cared for. The one issue I have is that I reject this attitude that it should fall on volunteers to look after our beaches. To me, that would be the same attitude as as a restaurant uh, manager or restaurant owner paying their staff less than minimum wage and saying the tips are making up the difference. So I really think that you know, we shouldn't develop policy or programs that are just depending on volunteers to go out. I think we should definitely promote volunteering, uh, environmental volunteering, because of all these uh, benefits that I mentioned earlier. But it cannot become a substitute for solid policy making and planning. And and I also think that if we do continue to rely on volunteers to keep our beaches clean, then at least what we need to do is we need to listen to them and we need to invite them and give them a seat at the table. So what we do really well is that we celebrate them and we applaud them and we provide equipment and all of that. And that's all really, really good. But I think what we really need to do is we need to engage them and get them into the different steering groups and committees and really listen to their voice. And I suppose that's kind of what I'm to do, trying to do with my research is yeah. is to give uh, beach cleaners a voice. And also just because I just love being on the beach and I just enjoy it so much. I, I know uh, anyone can 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 go can, can go to your Twitter feed and you can see and you can see you uh, you do you do indeed. There's so much food for thought in there. We packed a lot into just 22 minutes. Believe it or not, high time has flown. Uh, Dr. Suzanne Parr, uh, lecturer in hospitality management at Ulster University. Thank you so much for coming along and sharing your insights with us today. Thank you, David. It's my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Keep Northern Beautiful podcast. Please make sure you hit the subscribe button so you can be reminded of future episodes.